Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's okay to talk back. It's okay. Yeah, it's good to see you guys this morning. My name is Tim, and I'm the pastor here. We're honored that you are guests this morning, all of you, even if you call this your church home. We're honored that you've chosen to spend Christmas with us. And as we get into things today, we're going to do a sermon on love to close out this series called Advent. And so we'll get to that in a few minutes, but before that, we have something way better than my sermon. And it's the PBC Kids Christmas presentation. Yeah, give it up for them. Practice clapping for them. And uh, so here's the way it's going to work. We're going to welcome them out. I think they're coming out from different places even. And they're going to have to get in their different spots. And uh, spotlights that they've never seen before are going to be in their face. And your faces are going to be looking at them. And I know it's hard for you to believe this, but sometimes you can be intimidating. And so... As we clap, I'm going to say, now presenting to you the PBC Kids Christmas program, and we're going to start clapping, and as we do that, keep clapping, right? Because it's going to take them a few minutes to get in their spots and, and the nerves to go away. So just keep clapping. However the Holy Spirit leads, you want to do a standing ovation, just feel free. So everybody in that with me? Okay, so here we go. Uh, now presenting to you the PBC Kids Christmas program. Come on in, guys. Printing's press was invited. Stained glass windows and hymns were used to teach the gospel stories to the people of God. Brilliant colors of glass formed pictures of the birth of Jesus. His miracles, his death, his resurrection. Hymns told the story of God, God's actions in the lives and his people. Today we are we want to teach the Christmas story through songs as we also set set the stage through pictures. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged, pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel of multitude of, of the heavenly host. Praise God and say, glory to, glory to God in the highest, and on the earth peace among those with whom he is praised. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And then they went host and found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in the manger. Jesus did not only change the lives of those who actually lived at the time of the event. Many years later, congregations were celebrating the simplicity and beauty <coughs> of Jesus' birth. Centuries later, at a little church in the house near Salzburg, Austria was planning to celebrate the birth of Jesus. The priest and the church organist were handed the perfect opportunity to write a Christmas hymn the church organ would not function, so Father Moore decided that he would write his own Christmas hymn in order to have music for the special Christmas Eve service. When he finished with the words, he took them to his friend and organist, Grans Gruber, and exclaimed, Friend Mar, you have found it, the right song. God be praised. Gruber composed the right tune for the new text and completed it in time for the Christmas Eve service, where they sang the hymn to the accompaniment of Gruber's guitar. Neither of the men intended that their hymn would be used outside of their little mountain village. However, the next year, when the organ was repaired, Gruber tested it by playing Silent Night. The repairman was so moved by the song that he asked for a copy to take to his village across the mountains. Ten years later, that same repairman heard the Strasser Quartet perform and gave them a copy of Silent Night. The quartet made it popular throughout Austria and Germany. It has now been translated into more than 70 languages worldwide.
Throughout centuries, the birth of Jesus is celebrated among believers. It is a happy time, a rejoicing time, because if Jesus had not been born, he could never have gone to the cross for our sins. So, today we worship at the manger and we celebrate with the angels and all of creation the birthday of Jesus. Take a seat. And can we thank a couple special people who put a lot of work into this, uh, practicing, preparing this. Uh, Sarah Johnson, our kids ministry director, would you guys thank her? Yeah. And Cynthia over here and Morgan over here, would you guys thank them? Thank you guys. Uh, my favorite part, I'm a little biased, but was this angel, because she's my little angel. Um, but also this angel, Paulina, who was just, I want to eat what she had for breakfast, right? 
That was incredible. Um, so, so good. If, if you weren't merry in your Christmas, you are now. Uh, that was amazing. Hey, we're going to uh, get into God's word, and I want to pray just briefly, uh, and then we will do that. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for these kids. Thank you for the joy that they have. Um, God, thank you for the joy they bring us as we watch them read about you and sing about you and um, do a drama just to resemble some of that. And God, I pray that even now as we move into a time, a short time, just to look at your word briefly and look at love and what it means to be loved by the God of the universe. God, uh, I know there's a lot going on right now, but we, we need to hear this from you. And so make our minds attentive. God, make our hearts soften to your word this morning as it's proclaimed. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, we are concluding uh, just briefly here today our Advent series. Uh, we've talked about this, that, that Advent means coming. And, and it's really a waiting and anticipating of a coming. And so the first Advent was God coming to earth, Jesus being born. And a lot of us know what that's like, to, to have a, something that's coming, particularly at Christmas, I think we all can relate to this, have something that's coming, and we anticipate that coming. There we go. Um, and whether you're a Christian or not, I know lots of people are in this room today, it's Christmas season, and so maybe some of you grew up going to church, you follow Jesus, maybe you're just here because you had a, a niece or nephew uh, singing up here and you want to be here, but the church is not really not your thing. I think all of us can relate to this idea of something's coming and we're waiting on that thing to come. Specifically at Christmas time, you think about kids and presents under the tree. I know my kids have seen the presents under the tree for weeks and it's driving them crazy, right? And so what they do is they get the, the presents out, right, kids, and they start counting them and they start comparing. I have three kids. Who has the most presents? Right, and some of my kids, they won't go named here in this moment, but they grab the presents and they run around the house with them and the paper starts to accidentally tear. <laughs> like the wrapping paper, and I'm like, what happened? How, how did that happen? And they're like, I don't know, I tripped and I fell and then all of a sudden it just ripped open and I'm like, okay, okay. But they can't wait for this coming. They know Christmas is coming, and they, they're looking for it, and they're waiting for it with great anticipation, but not just kids. Right? Adults, we, we do this, particularly at this time of the year. Maybe it is with a gift that we're looking forward to. Maybe it's a gift from our boss, a bonus, right? And you're anticipating, am I going to get that bonus? How much is the bonus going to be? And we anticipate those things. Maybe it's other things like the approval of a family member, the approval of even our spouse, the approval of a friend, that social circle, that social media post, and, and we're looking with great anticipation for that to come our way, and all of us know what that is like. And I think if we were to boil all that down, I do think what the Bible teaches us is that that craving, that waiting, that longing, that looking is a looking for love. That all of those other things reveal a deeper longing, and it's, it's to be validated, accepted, fully known, and fully loved. And what we're going to see in the Bible is that we just don't go looking for love, that the love of God came looking for us. And we see that really vividly in a verse, one verse, 1 John 4, 9. 
Uh, if you have a Bible, you can grab it and open it up to 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. If you don't have a Bible, you can pull it up on your phone. Uh, grab an app or BibleGateway.com, 1 John 4, 9. The book of 1 John is a love letter. 46 times the word love is mentioned. What John is trying to communicate to you and his original audience is that you are loved. Simple message, that you are loved. And we're going to see that in this one verse. And we're going to see how does knowing that we are loved change us? And how can we even know that we are loved. Some of you here, oh, we're loved. I mean, okay, God loves us. Jesus loves me. This I know. Like, Tim, I've sang that before. But how do we really know that? And then how does that love change us? We're going to look at that just briefly. First John 4, 9. It says this. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And so we're just going to break that down just real briefly. So look at it with me. It says, in this, that there was an event, something significant happened. There was a moment where love was made known. John says it, it was made manifest. That word manifest is for something to made, be made clearly known. That the root word of the word manifest is light. For something to be brought into the light, to be put on display for all to see that John says, in this, love was made manifest. And then we see how it was made manifest. It's that God sent. God sent that, that love doesn't stand still. If you're new, this is the model of our whole church. That love moves. Right? This is the way love works, that, that the way love was made manifest is God sins. He doesn't wait for us to come up to heaven to him. He doesn't wait for us to get our lives together and go to him. He comes to us in our weakness. Love sins. This is the way all of love works. I remember when I first realized that I loved my wife. Like I, I saw this girl from across the room, and I knew I love this girl. I just, I've never seen anybody like that, never heard somebody like this, never seen someone so loving. I would see her on campus sharing the gospel with people. I was just like, I love this girl. And guess what? When I realized that I loved this girl, guess what I didn't do? Well, that's interesting, that warm, fuzzy feeling in my chest. Oh, let me check my fantasy football roster. Oh, what's on TV? I didn't just go back to what I was already doing. No, I realize I love this girl, and I'm going to move. i got to do something. i got to let her know that I love her. i got to send a card. i got to find out where she goes to class and, and just happen to bump into her. Right? i gotta, I got to make her a mixtape. Right? Because what? Love, it moves. It doesn't stand still. I know mixtape was a long time ago, so if you didn't get that reference, ask your parent. Right? Love is made manifest. How? It moves. God's love is sent to us. What does God send us? Not an angel, not a prophet, not a nice guy. God doesn't even just send us his word. I'm thankful for the word of God. But God doesn't just send us words on a page. God sent his only son. That's what John is telling us, that how was love made manifest, brought into the light, put on display? It's sent, and it's sent not in a word of encouragement, not in a daily affirmation. It's sent through the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
So God love, God's love moves. It's sent to us in Jesus. Where does he send it? Where does he send Jesus? Does he send Jesus to a church, to a monastery, to a holy secluded place that we have to clean ourselves up at and hope to arrive at one day once we've pieced everything together? No, what does it say? John says it was made manifest, clearly known among us into the world. The love came down in Jesus and it comes to you, to your life, to your mess, to your brokenness, to your relationships that are at odds with one another in this room. That God's love is made manifest among you into this world, not some secluded place. It enters into your neighborhood. It, it invades your home. And God knew everything about you when he sent his son Jesus to love you in that way. And he sends it directly to you. Why does God do this? John tells us that we might have life through him. That we get our very life from this love. Listen, if you are new to the faith, if you are new to church, you need to know, don't get it confused. Christianity is not a group of people who ascribe to the moral teachings of a religious figure. That's not what Christians are. If you consider yourself a Christian in this room, don't get it confused. Christianity is not a group of people who are smarter, who are better, who are more spiritual than other people. Christianity is not a group of people who have gathered together even today over an agenda or over a set of political beliefs, over a system, over an institution. Here's what Christianity is. Are you ready? It's people who have embraced and received and encountered and received and encountered a love like this. It's people who were dead in sin, hopeless, who have encountered, received this love, who was sent from heaven in the person and work of Jesus. And we've received that love and said, God, how could you love me like that? I want to respond in love back to you. And that love, as John says, has given us life. That's what Christianity is about. That's what the Christmas season is about. It's not just a cute story about a baby born in a manger. It is a massive display of the love of the God of the universe. And Christians are people who just said, and I want to receive that love. I want to embrace that love. I want to extend that love to others. That's the Christmas story. That's what John is communicating. You are loved. So the question over us today is how can we receive that love? Are you living in light of that love? I, I know things are busy. I know we got shopping I know we got to finish out that last work project of the year. I know you got family to go to even today and, and the ham to put in the oven. Right? But don't miss this. The God of the universe loves you unconditionally. Listen, not a future version of you. Your present version. The one who sits in that chair right now, with all the things you're thinking about that you did yesterday or you didn't do this week, that didn't live up, that didn't measure up, that all the things you've done, all the things you haven't done, your current version of you, God loves you. Do you believe that? Do you receive that? Have you fully embraced that during this Christmas season? Because listen, 
it's not that God doesn't see your sin. He does, right? That doesn't make us as happy, right? Like God sees your sin. God is loving and God is just. God doesn't overlook sin. God doesn't look at you right now and see what you did last week and think, oh, it's not too big of a deal. No, it's not that. Like, oh, I just love you anyway. It's not that. God sees your sin. He's, he's just. He sees the things you've done, the things you haven't done. He sees all of that, and yet he loves you so much, as John says, to make manifest his love. How? He sends Jesus into your mess, into your sin, to take it on your behalf on the cross, to take that punishment, to fully satisfy the justice and the wrath of God on your behalf. He loves you so much not to overlook your sin, but to see it and then pay for it in full through the cross of Christ. That's how much God loves you. And so that right here today, if you are in Christ, if you've embraced his love and put your faith in him, then when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sinful deeds. He sees the perfect work of his righteous son. That's the love of God. That your maker, your creator, the strongest, the greatest, the most beautiful being in all of existence cherishes you. Yeah, you. He knows your name and he loves you. Listen, when you realize that, when you embrace that, if you were to grab a hold of that this morning, you think that approval that you need from your boss would weaken a little bit? You think that affirmation you want from that family member at Christmas dinner tonight would be alleviated just a little bit? Do you think that promotion at work, that success that you're chasing, do you think that would be diminished just a little bit if you knew the God of the universe loved you like that? I think it should, right? I think we should realize that the God of the universe who knows you by name and loves you in the midst of your sin, I think that would change everything about us. I think that would change the way we love God and the way we love others. Right, think about this with me. If you were to realize that all the love that you're looking for out there has already been looking for you and found in you through Christ, if you didn't have to stop, if you could stop looking for love and realize it's already found you, you would be liberated to love God and love others, right? You see, I think some of us struggle to love. Let's be honest, it's Christmas season, we're in church. Let's be honest, it's a good time for that. Don't look around, but it's hard to love other people. Right? Even our family, don't look around, look at me. Sometimes it's hard to love even our family, our neighbors, our friends, to love God. And I think the reason it's hard for a lot of us to extend love is because we haven't fully embraced love. You see, love isn't a natural thing. It's not natural to love someone else unconditionally. That's a supernatural thing. Where does it come from? From God, who made manifest his love through Christ for you. And some of us, we're trying to love out of ourselves, and you can't do that. You have to receive the love of God, embrace it, and then love is extended to others. Christianity is a story of that. Christianity is a story of new identity 
then new activity. Christianity is a story of love embraced, then love extended. This is love. Another place John tells us, this is love. Not that you love God, but that God and Christ first loved you. The sequence is very important as you try to love others. So this morning, we need to realize we are loved. And then once we embrace that, we need to extend it to others. You know what's crazy and scary and amazing all at the same time? Is that my kids, three kids, is they do what I do. They intimidate, they imitate me, right? They, they see things that I do and they, they want to emulate that. And so just the other night, my three-year-old daughter, we're playing in the living room. And she's talking and we're playing and doing different things. And she just all of a sudden says this. She says, now we're talking. <laughs> Three years old. And I'm like, we all laughed and it was so cute. And we're like, and then we're like, where does she hear that? And my wife's like, from you. Right? She heard it from you. So of course she says it. Listen, the most natural thing for a child to do is imitate their father. And so if, if your father in heaven loves you unconditionally, the most natural thing for you to do is realize that and then love like that. God loves you. He's your father who loves you unconditionally, and he's wanting you as his child to emulate that to everybody you know. Listen, there's some people who don't know that. Newsflash, I don't know if you've looked at the cultural landscape that we are currently finding ourselves in, but what's being made manifest, clearly known, visible, put on display is not love, it's outrage, it's tension, it's conflict. And so God's love was made manifest through Jesus coming to earth. Now God's love is made manifest through the people of Jesus on the earth, through you. And so, as you realize you've received God's love, how do you need to extend it to others? Who do you need to extend it to? Because I know what all I just said, what, what John says about how you are loved, how we know we're loved, how it changes us and gives us life, you all just heard that. But there's a lot of people who didn't just hear that, who aren't in this room, who aren't in a church today, who need to hear that. And God has placed you here to realize you are loved so you can go love them. Amen? And so when you leave this place, as you realize you're loved, man, move to others to love them. Send them a text. That estranged family member that you're not talking to over the holidays, you know who it is. Send them a text and just say, hey, I just want to let you know, Merry Christmas. I love you. Just thinking about you after church today. Write a letter. Maybe it's a little bit harder than that. Maybe there's somebody that you are at odds with and you're just like, Tim, I can't just send a text. Like, write a letter. Invite somebody to our Christmas service tomorrow night, Christmas Eve, 5 p.m. They're going to hear more of this. I can guarantee you. They're going to hear that there is a God who loves them, who sent Jesus to be born, to die, to resurrect, to return as a king. They're going to hear that. Extend the love of Jesus just with an invite. People have baby Jesus on their mantle. People have baby Jesus sometimes in their yard if they go all out. 
Right? Jesus is talked about more than ever at this time of the year. Just say, hey, would you come to Christmas Eve service with me? We're going to talk about Jesus there too. Embrace the love of Jesus. Extend the love of Jesus. That's what he's called us to during this Christmas season. Let me pray. God, I thank you that you have loved us and that you've made it known, manifest, clearly known, put it on display through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. God, I thank you that you have called these men and women in this room to hear that, maybe some of them for the first time. And God, I pray in this moment they would stop listening to me and start talking to you and receive that love, that they would place their faith in Jesus, commit their, confess their sin to Jesus, believe in Jesus, that he did die for them, that he did enter this world and enter their mess, that his love moved towards them, even them, and that they would in this moment embrace that so they can extend that to others. God, we can't love other people without the love of you going through us. And so, God, I pray as we, as we leave this place, as we sing songs, that we wouldn't try to muster this love up, but we would just receive it, the love of a father in heaven who, who laid down his life for us, the love who sent Jesus to us, the love who meets us right where we are, that we would begin to extend that love towards others, even now as we sing, as we leave this place. God, help us to do that. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.